So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success like us? Concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves and the things we care about from the monsters we throw. How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Okay, uh, hopefully the mic's on this time. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot to turn it on the first time around. Anyway, let me grab my notes again. Anyway, we're here for episode 71. Still trying to get my head wrapped around this technology. Like I said, the, the first, you know, run of this Kuden thing for 68 episodes, I had a radio god uh, as my um, as my co-host, right? Uh, Shidoshi White. And uh, he worked at a radio station, right? So I Sundays I would go in and and uh, we'd go in a sound booth, and he operated everything, and you know, ran everything, made sure we stayed on on uh, task with what we were doing, and um, he did all that technical stuff, right? So here I am trying to be a one man band, right? Hopefully, at some point in the future, I'll have somebody else. But anyway, uh, so let me just make sure that uh, I think we're full screen. I think so. Okay. So anyway, let me know what you think about the background. You know, I just the colors kind of do it for me, but not really. Uh, I'm kind of stuck with this uh, this restream uh, service that I'm using and what they do in the background. I might be able to change it, but again, I'm, I'm trying to, what's more important to me is I'm trying to get uh, more of this information out to folks than uh, just, you know, trying to make it all pretty and technical and make me look like some kind of, uh, I don't know, tech wizard or something like that, because that's not my forte, right? My forte is uh, you know, the stuff that we're talking about. So anyway, uh, just in case it didn't make it on the, on the, um, the little part there before the, the intro ran. Right. So, uh, today we're going to be talking about, uh, and taking a look at the number one reason, right. That most adults, believe it or not, most adults quit martial arts really soon after starting. Right. And I think it's actually one of the reasons why they fall off the wagon and, you know, whatever. Right now, not all. OK, but we're going to take a look at the number one reason. Right. Why that is. And I uh, also want to talk about one of the greatest gifts that uh, the teachers that I've chosen to train with have ever given me. Right. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump right into this. Right. So, uh, again, I mean. See over here, I got my little whiteboard ready to go, right? So uh, anyway, um, so there was a study that was done a bunch of years ago, right? Um, that actually asked the question, right? It was a study among a whole bunch of martial artists across the, the I think at least the U.S. I don't know that it went worldwide, but at least around the U.S. And um, the, the part of the survey, one of the questions, right? Uh, you know, after they got down through the, you know, do you train in martial arts? How uh, did you ever, right? What styles, all that kind of stuff, right? One of the questions was, um, what was your reason for quitting? Okay. And these were, this was for adults, right? That were in martial arts, right? What was the reason for quitting? Okay. And, you know, people can make all kinds of assumptions, right? It was the teacher. It was, I don't know, life got in the way, uh, ran out of money, it was too expensive, all these kind of things, right, that I get on the front end from people, uh, but that wasn't it, okay? Uh, what this survey revealed was that the number one reason that adult students quit their martial arts training often early on, like within the first 100 days after signing up, okay, instructors, pay attention, right? Um, was no real-world self-defense training up front, okay? Now, that sounds kind of funny since just about every ad that I see for a training group, martial arts school, whatever, Bujinkan or not, right, highlights self-defense, okay? But what constitutes self-defense? Well, you know, we 
kick somebody's ass, right? I mean, this stuff is proven, right? 2,000 years, 900 years, whatever, nine schools, blah, 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 blah right? <laughs> Number one reason why most people aren't calling your group in your school is they can't pronounce the freaking name. But anyway, let's, um, and that's not my opinion. That's other surveys that were done. So anyway, um, if you really want to know what, people are thinking and all that, uh, try asking instead of assuming, right? And certainly stop using what's known in psychology as transference, because it's important to me, that should be important to them, because um, because uh, uh, that's what I would do, that I'm gonna assume that that's what they would do, and I'm gonna be angry if they don't, and you know, regardless of the fact that there's like, what, 16 personality types, uh, starts with six on the on the Tibetan Wheel of Life when we're looking at things from a from eco perspective, right? All of these things have different uh, different filters, right? Different ways of of seeing themselves, the world, the connection between the two, all that, right? But we somehow you know assume ourselves God and decide that we know, right? Lots of reasons that people get involved in martial arts. Okay, so um, this study, right, of adults, okay. It doesn't mean that these students weren't also uh, attracted to Asian culture, right, and interested in that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean that they didn't fantasize about having a black belt and the kind of skills that they might have or whatever. Um, but actually, the people that that's their biggest reason, those kind of things and more, right, um, they were actually in the minority, okay? the number one reason that most adults quit martial arts training, whatever program they got involved in, okay, is no realistic, real-world self-defense training up front, okay? So one of two things is going on. Either the teacher's not, that they suck at pre-framing and explaining things. Like when I show something to a student, like using here, right, as a de-escalation, come I, Right. And using body language to get somebody to recognize that, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't want to fight. Right. Not this, not that, whatever. Right. But this whole right. And how it matches our human response to this, whoa, fending kind of thing. Right. Um, and I'll also admit, right. This is a pre frame, reframe kind of thing. Right. That looks weird. Yes. Yeah fights that way. I came here to learn how to, you know, whatever, right? But why this? Well, de-escalation is a part of self-defense, right? So if I can get this guy to see that I'm not worth attacking, regardless of what I'm hiding, right? If I can get him to, to back down then, now I'll show my skills. Nobody watching. There's no cameras. There's no eyeballs or whatever of people that might have thoughts later about jumping me, right? I'm not giving anything away. My skills remain secret, okay? It's ninjutsu for God's sake, right? And on top of that, nothing in ninjutsu is ever what it looks like, okay? If he can, if he knows what you're doing and you fight like everybody else, and so, again, it goes back to if he knows what you're doing, right? Okay? It's not needed to. It's not not valid. Ninjutsu, okay? So when I pre-frame these things, you know, I'll say, looks weird, yeah? Yes, that looks weird, Okay? Great. Never forget that if we fight like everyone else, whether this person has experience or not, and it gets worse the more experience they have, they already, they've already dealt with it. They already have things that they know how to handle it. They already know what's coming at them. Yeah, I know you could have your little twist on your style for the punch or the stance or whatever, but okay, if they think they know what you're going to be doing, and they're in the ballpark, you got one hell of a fight ahead of you. Now, as long as you're the guy that or girl that's okay with trading shots, I'm willing to take one to get one, okay. Play caveman fighting and, and go at it, right? But this is supposed to be enlightened self-protection. This is supposed to be fight smarter, not harder. This is supposed to be disappear in the mist. This is supposed to be control them and take away their... Uh, their free will, we're taking away their control 
long before they ever realized they lost it. Right? <coughs> Excuse me. I forgot to get myself a drink again. Holy crap. Anyway, so <laughs> I should make myself a checklist is what I should do. Anyway, so if if they think they know and they're in the ballpark, you got one hell of a fight ahead of you, okay? And you're completely missing the point about what ninjutsu is supposed to be. And again, I'm just some fat old bald guy, right? Down 15 pounds, but anyway. Right? Um, and I started way back, you know, everybody today is calling it old school. Right. Because the shit hurts, um, not because, you know, it was changed so that more people could get on board. Right. Anyway. So. Uh, this is what it's supposed to be. Right. Um, so when I have to show something that looks very, very different. Right. More people recognize this as a martial arts stance and something they think they know what's going on than this, or then she's in as being already positioned for God's sake, right? Because most people are used to some variation of a, of a, you know, karate ready position kind of thing, right? Um, they see a she's in as a ready position. So unless I pre-frame that with, this is how you're going to be standing in a room or one foot forward or the other foot forward as you're walking down the street, when you're jumped and it's a surprise, right? If that's not your ready position, then you're not going to be all that prepared and you can get into your, but if you get into your ready position, right? If I look at you and go, I don't want to fight, man. Okay? How likely are you to, to uh, uh, believe me, right? Remember body language accounts for 50, 55% of human communication, right? Tonal inflection is next, right? And that's what 30, 35%, right? So whatever's left over is the actual words. And when somebody's enraged, right, or so focused that they're not hearing what you're saying, your body language better speak a lot, okay? When you're communicating with the R-complex and the lower mammalian functions, um, you better know what you're doing more than just, I know the third to the fourth, uh, 17th kata on the first and third level scrolls of XYZ view and who gives a shit, right? He doesn't, right? And you know what? The adults that got involved in these martial arts programs didn't care either, right? So either the instructor sucks at pre-framing things and ex explaining why, right? Or more likely what's happening is what's happening in class does not compute in the student's head as far as what they have seen in the world when it comes to violence and attacks and things like that, right? So if we're doing some classical 13th century punch that was, you know, done in armor or we're, uh, we're doing uh, some uh, white crane kung fu, whatever, right? Um, that's not what they've seen, right? So, and I get it. These other things are important, right? They're, they're the, they're the they're the carriers of the lessons, right? They're, they're an important part to get the principles and concepts, but we can't forget that that's not what they've seen because that's not how 99.8% of the Western population throws a punch or kicks or grabs or whatever, right? So again, that's why in, in my program, all this stuff is up front so that people can, one immediately gets their head wrapped around it. Oh, okay, God, okay. So jabs, yeah, I'm worried about a jab. Great, okay, so we establish an initial safe uh, distance, so he always has to step. I don't care if he lunges with his front leg or he steps through with his back leg, he has to work harder to get at you, so immediately your positioning and your and your come on, your, your posture protects you against a jab by making a jab so hard to do that it becomes less and less likely that that's what he's going to do. You're forcing him to do something else, which actually plays in line with what our kata say the attack will be. Hmm. Or maybe I'm just full of shit, right? So, but I move all that stuff up front, right? So, you know what the answer that most martial arts schools had, most martial arts associations had? to keep students so that they could keep doing the same stuff they're doing, right? What they did was they went out and found a self-defense program 
this little short course kind of thing, right? They borrowed something else and tacked it on up front so they can get people past that 100 days or three months or whatever it was, right? And then they can go back to doing the same shit. How about putting it into context? I know how this stuff was passed down. I get it. But remember, different culture, different time and place and space or time in, 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 in the world, different different armor, different mentality. Okay. One of the one of the instructors jobs, right, is to be able to translate things. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean change it. Right? That means understanding things like uh, a Sagon, as is based on going straight back or off at a 45 degree angle or whatever, is more often than not going to break against a right cross. Yo, I know, but he's not throwing a right cross. He's throwing a ski. No, bullshit. 98% of the attackers out in my world will throw a right cross. Okay? So if that arm with that kind of force comes in against that lead arm, it doesn't work because the muscles and the structure and the shoulder and the chest and the back won't put up with that, right? Does that mean we can't use a Sagon against somebody throwing a right cross? Nope. We need to understand that the lesson is not 45 degrees or 30 degrees or whatever based on a static start-stop position. We need to pay attention or maybe go back and get the freaking lessons, right? And not just make assumptions or uh, whatever, right? So, and, and learn or relearn that the lesson is that your angle, your sabaki, is flat, profiled to the attacker, but angled to the line of the attack. And since the line isn't this, it's this. What's the line just before it's going to make impact? So now 45, 30, whatever degrees of that, right, of this is this way, not this way, right? So I'm going to – I have to step off, which is why it's important that I'm able to step – in at least those eight directions to go into any given come or for evasion because I don't know what he's going to throw. Right. So anyway, right. So what it really comes down to is people were dropping. Right. And, and so the quick fix was let's add this on. Right. I even see it in, in Nintetsu, in Bujinkan. Right. People see holes that don't exist. Right. But they see holes, so what they do is they go out and get MMA and they tack it on because there's no ground fighting. They go and learn some sword style because, well, Bujinkan doesn't teach uh, sword drawing. Bullshit. You learn sword drawing the first time you learned your kamai unarmed because the movement's the same. Right? It's not the art. It's the translator. Right? But anyway, right? I know. Here I am throwing stones again because I'm a well, – I was going to say dick, but I can't say – well, anyway, well, never mind. Anyway <laughs> – all right, so again, I have my whiteboard set up because what I really want to do, when where this came from, right? I, again, this is episode seventy-one, so it's only three into the reboot, right? First episode when I rebooted everything, right? I talked about my journey, right? My my journey from being that scared, terrorized kid who made a vow, right, and got into law and all that kind of stuff, right? But what I want to talk about is some of the conflict and some of the problems that I ran into once I decided to learn as much in the way of martial arts or self-defense as I could, right? And I, I really try to, in the Gyoko to you, we've got this principle of three and one, one and three. And it's about pulling at least three aspects out of any one thing, whether it's a kata or a movement or a waza or whatever, so that you could work on them, right? And there's way more than three, but pulling at least three out, right? So you could work on aspects and facets of that one thing and when it comes to one in three, what you're looking at is being able to find the common denominator or the common principle or concept that's driving or that's, that's uh, the same between uh, at, you know, at least three techniques. Again, there's more like the um, Omote Gyaku principle, right? Not Omote Gyaku wrist reversal, right? That's one of them but it points to a principle, right? And the principle is how to take somebody off their heels, okay? So they can't step or whatever. They end up just crashing and burning, right? So omotegyaku is both a, both a technique, right? But everybody focuses on the wrist, not 
controlling the elbow and shoulder and all this other stuff that's going on, right? Okay. So, but any technique that takes somebody off their heels is working using the omote gyaku principle. So osotonage, right? The big outer throw, the rear hip throw, right? Uh, mushadori, onikudaki, all these kind of things, right? Um, all are working off of omote gyaku principle, okay? Uh, and there's strike techniques that do the same thing, right? So uh, anyway, so let's get let's get back onto this thing. Three and one, one and three, right? So that's why when you see me do trainings like webinars or uh, you know these things, and I bring up the whiteboard or whatever, um, I'm usually like outlining three kind of things. Does that mean that there aren't more or there aren't other things? No, but these are three bigger things. They're main pieces, right? And so the big thing, right? Um, it's kind of like lining up dominoes, right? So I've got these three that are problematic and we should handle them. But one of the things that I tend to do is spend more time thinking about what's the one thing, right? That if I knock it over, if I handle that, it handles all of these, right? Like um, bending my knees, right? In Taijutsu, right? Knees initiate things, bend your knees, uh, take a longer step, profile, make sure your feet stay in alignment, all of those kind of things, right? So they're all things that people that people work on, but if they are either introduced to the concept, this what I call the big domino, uh, by their teacher, or they discover that if they sink, they drop their hips and their knees bend, and they stay there and they work on bent and bending knees, all the other things take care of themselves, right? But if they don't, if they move on bent but stiff unbending knees, right? Or they try to move around like Hatsumi Sensei and some of the master teachers that move around in Shizen and they're not using bent knees because they want to shortcut the process and get to master guru as quickly as possible because that just makes their nipples hard and they're, you know, whatever. Uh, then not my fault, right? But remember, they've already been through the process, so they can do that because they've can, they've mastered control of timing, distancing, and angling. So they can move around and cheese that. If you haven't, then don't. That's my recommendation. You can do whatever you want because you're a grown-up. Anyway, so let's do this, right? So I'm going to take a look at these problems that I saw creeping up. And let's just – we'll be clear. When they were creeping up, I couldn't put my finger on it. But now looking back, here's this problem, right? So again, we're gonna shift, right? Let's go to the whiteboard. All right, I'm gonna carry you along with me. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so we're all lined up, right? Awesome. Let's make sure we have everything lined up here. I repositioned things today because yesterday I didn't like the glare that was on everything, right? So hopefully you can see all this, right? I'll be off here with my handy dandy uh, red marker, right? So uh, here are uh, three of those things. The one thing was uh, self-defense, right? Not enough self-defense up front, right? So, um, you know, what makes these students quit and what makes them see or not see what they expected to see when they got involved, okay? So one problem. It's rocking. Is a canned program. Okay. It's a canned program, right? So I get it. I know why this stuff was passed down, right? My module one is a is a ninja concept and principle approach to basic self-defense, okay? Until somebody really gets a handle on taijutsu and gets a bunch of techniques under their belt and all that, uh, and they understand them, and they understand context and application and all that, it doesn't matter how good they are with Seon or Shiaku or Tangeki or or even Ichimoji no Kata or anything like that, right? Uh, because it's not going to work against somebody who's coming at them hell-bent on beating, breaking, or killing them, right? So, so the first thing is how do I not get hit? How do I get somebody off of me grabbing or whatever, right? Again, basics. We talked about that yesterday, right? So can program, right? So... Uh, let's start people off with the Sanshin no Kata, and uh, th so they're going to learn these things, right? Okay, are they important? Absolutely. Absolutely, right? To mastering Haijutsu. 
but new people coming in aren't while they might fantasize about being a master right and and handling you know multiple attackers and swordsmen and all kinds they're not ready for that right part of the part of the trick is in giving somebody what they want at the same time i'm giving them what they need okay so they want to feel like they're controlling this stuff and they want to get it and that's cool right but it has to match especially for adults it has to match kids will often you know it's more fantasy on the movies and stuff like that and in all honesty i don't want an adult who uh you know comes in here going ninja really can jump up onto the third or fourth story window right from the ground without like trick photography and stuff right that's you, you can teach me how to do that nope there's the door nice talking to you okay there's plenty of people online that'll promise to teach you that so anyway so but it's a can program right they don't know any any other way right and this is usually a product of of somebody who's so fixated on the style of martial art right this is our way of doing it right and it's kind of the museum curator kind of thing right when i first got involved in this art i remember one of the first things uh that i was introduced to right um by one of my early teachers was the difference in what the difference in, in like conventional martial arts grandmasters and the one we have okay and Hatsumi Sensei right so while both of them both types are responsible for preserving the lineage and bringing it into the future and all that kind of stuff right okay the big difference is that one type is literally like a museum curator right this is the way it was written in the scrolls this is the way it was passed down right their job is to make sure nobody changes anything the museum displays stay exactly the way they were created hundreds of years ago even though the world has changed uh the, the stuff is being used and applied in different cultures with different clothing styles different attack types all that kind of stuff right doesn't matter it gets preserved right and that's more the dull way of doing things okay um now a lot of people resist against that so they they you know come up with all kinds of twisted sister kind of things like uh, uh, MMA or whatever, where there's no form whatsoever, okay? So, I mean, we have that, right? But for the first couple of years of my training, I had no idea that we had formal kata in this art. Even though I had some sensei taught, it was, okay, if he does this, right, we're gonna do this. It was all based on principles and concepts because he knew, teachers at the time knew that as soon as people got their head wrapped around a kata, they would crystallize and solidify things and the power of the art would go away. Sure enough, mid eighties, right around 85, 86, some people found out, oh, these lineages actually have kata. Next thing you know, there were lists being passed around, these kata lists, these, and guess what? Everybody shifted from the reason they got involved in Ninjutsu, right? Nine out of 10 people that got involved in Ninjutsu in the late 70s, early 80s, we all had martial arts or fight experience or whatever. We were dissatisfied with what was going on because it didn't match reality, right? We wanted to be able to handle real world stuff and we weren't finding that, right? Yeah, we could have gotten involved in fight clubs and things like that, but where's the structure? Where's the, where's the, where's the ancient wisdom, right? Of these people that, I mean, think about it. Who would you rather learn from? Some guy that was tough and kind of made stuff up and was, he was an okay teacher, right? But it was in a kind of a limited world, limited context, or from people who documented stuff and had, were part of a family line that their profession was studying and surviving combat, right? For a thousand years, right? That was their, that was their science. In this aspect in my life, it hands down, right? Can I learn some things from a tough guy? Absolutely. But I'm learning the things that he does naturally. But how does that fit my body type? How does that does that fit all context? Careful what tough guy you learn from because they go out of their way to get into fights because they're a tough guy. Okay. So anyway, right? But it can program, right? So 
what that means is they're only doing it the stylized way, right? And and so uh, if if students can't see that, can't see through that. So I'm very very thankful that in the early days of my training, right, everything was and it's, again I didn't make this stuff up. It's why my curriculum looks the way it does. Not that I borrowed my teacher's curriculum as is. I used it for a long time, and then I borrowed from other teachers that had the same kind of logic, right? But the whole idea early on was to be able to handle the jabs and the right crosses and the uppercuts and the, the haymakers and all that. We're worried about somebody who was throwing a you know, front stomp kick, right? Because most people weren't doing that. I was more worried about the guy that went down to the local Taekwondo school and learned uh, a cool you know, roundhouse kick or side kick or whatever as a part of his yellow belt course, quit, and now he's out there using that crap in the world, okay? Who's doing a front stomp kick, right? Who's doing a toe stab? Who's doing, you get the idea, right? I'm, there's a Taekwondo school in every freaking town. There's at least one, right? So how many people are learning spinning back kicks and, and ax kicks and all those kind of, way more than learning our style, right? Our styles, we don't have a style. And if anybody tells you different, it's because they're so focused on one right official way. There is one right way. There is an official way, but it's based on principles and concepts and understanding assessment and context, not just taking the model, right? The kata, which is loaded with training wheels, right? And is in a very specific context, but that's a starting point. Because until you apply and overlay the Kionopo principle, variations and then eight variations of each, and then all you have is here, Johnny. We're going to learn our alphabet, and this is the way you make a letter A. Whatever happened to this one? Whatever happened to right personalization and things like that, right? So, um, anyway, so again, you know, people aren't seeing what they need to see so number one is can program right always being done the same way because the focus is on right it's focused on style right not application not student need at least up front right what if they what if they leave by their own volition in a couple of weeks or a, a couple of you know two three months six months whatever right i'm secure in knowing that i've given them options and things that they can do to at least be really, really difficult to grab or hit. Not, oh, well, he was just short on those first three kata. I really wanted him to know. Uh, oh, well, his loss. We'll talk about what I really believe about an instructor's responsibility. Um, and I don't think teachers and students think about this very much. Uh, some other episode, but anyway. All right. So, um, the other problem that I saw, and again, we're talking in the realm of self-defense, okay? Any monkey can learn the moves, right? You can get a black belt based on learning a bunch of kata and all that, right? And you're good at those things, and you might be good at teaching those things. But okay, in my book, The, the Karate Myth, which I'm actually including in this uh, new rendition of the Foundations of uh, Ninja Self-Defense Mastery that's coming out, right? Um, one of the things I point out, the, the whole premise behind the karate myth is that people believe that just because somebody has a black belt, uh, they're able to, one, defend themselves against any attacker on the street, and two, they're able to teach you how to do the same thing just because they learned this stuff. Might be true, might not be true, right? But here's number two, right? No experience, no experience using the techniques that they're teaching against somebody who was trying to beat, break, or kill them. Yeah, I know, but I I, I was in a ring, right? So I, I did that stuff, and, and I, oh God, I keep hearing this thing, right, over and over again, right? The ring is the best place to pressure test your stuff. Bullshit. Unless you're in a kumite match in Southeast Asia where no holds barred, you're allowed – People are allowed to do anything, and people often get killed in the ring, and that's just c'est la vie, 
Shit happens, right? Um, it's limited at best. Does that mean you can't practice some things? Yeah, sure, okay? But unless I can stick my thumb in your eye and you can lose it for the rest of your life, or you're allowed to punch me in the throat or snap uh, you know, joints or whatever, and, and anything goes like on the street, well, then how do we do that? Well, that's why I had these different phases for sparring. Uh, if you're uh, in my inner circle program or my uh, local guys, or uh, I'm, I'm considering putting a, together a kind of a, a monthly program or whatever, where people get these uh, live uh, Zoom classes that we do, right? Uh, a couple of classes ago, I did, I outlined the five phases that we have to take somebody from uh, starting out with your basics and, and doing that in a sparring context all the way up to phase five, which is what most people think of when they see sparring, right? We talked about the problems with it and, and the way conventional people do and whatever. But anyway, so what I mean is, has the instructor or at least the instructor's instructor used this stuff in a real situation? Because if not, it's theory, okay? If not, it's faith and hope and belief and, and all that, right? I'm not saying it won't work, right? Uh, people that, that are involved in martial arts, especially sport martial arts, right? I would never say that they can't defend themselves with what they know, but it's like high school wrestlers. Wrestling is not designed for self-defense. Not saying that a wrestler could not defend themselves. I'm saying that what they're doing, the way they're doing it, and the format and structure, the paradigm within which the training occurs and with, within which they use it typically is not, it's not self-defense. Okay. I know you're trying to keep him from pinning you and locking you and all that. So technically, if you have to use the word technically in what you're trying to describe, then you're twisting things, right? Technically is not it. Okay. So one of the things that one of my teachers used to always remind us of is that dojo training, no matter how close you get or think you want to get to real fighting, is still not the street. So that's why my teachers always develop and what I, why I develop drills for my students so they can work on reaction timing and response and those kind of things in kind of a safe paradigm kind of thing, but keep adding it to their skills so that um, you know, they can get better and better and better as they go with the response, with the angling, with the decision-making under pressure, with the, the Zen type mind and, and when to use it and, and those kind of things, right? Um, because no matter how close you get, if you instill rules or anything like that to create a safe buffer, that's not the street, okay? So there has to be a constant reminder. I'll talk about this reminder as a gift uh, here in just a bit, right? But there's no experience, so they can't, they, it's not that the stuff won't work, but they don't, they've never used it in the context of inside the bubble. And a lot of martial arts instructors have never been in even a high school pushing, shoving match. So they have no idea what it's like inside that bubble. It's kind of like, kind of like a weight loss guru, right? Who's never been fat a day in their life, who has no clue what kind of struggles, emotional, mental, and all that, that somebody who's overweight who's trying to lose things runs into? They have none, right? Which is why if you find somebody, this is not a shameless plug, I don't make any money off this kind of thing, but the keto program I'm working on for me, um, I'm actually following this guy, uh, Drew, I think is his name. Anyway, he has a program called Fit to Fat to Fit, okay? You might have seen him in the news and all that. His story, he was a fitness trainer for a long time, and never fat a day in his life, right? But then he got to thinking, right? Got all these people that are that are complaining and or that are saying, you know, you don't understand and whatever. And he thought that, you know, you just need more willpower, man. Just, you know, stick with the program, right? Um, no excuses or whatever, right? So what he decided to do to get familiar, to understand it was he took six months off of his workout and his nutritional plan and just like, jumped off the wagon. He didn't fall off the wagon. He jumped off the wagon and gained 60 or 75 pounds in somewhere between four and six months. And then he tells his story, the journey back was not what he thought it would be. He lost the 75 pounds, got back to fit, and he's actually just did another one, right? Um, 
he voluntarily did it again, right? So the way he explains it, he says, look, you know, I learned a couple of things. One, I learned about the struggles that these people are actually facing, right? And what kind of things get in the way, right? Mental, emotional, all that kind of stuff, right? Social stigma kind of things, everything, right? And the other thing I learned was that Cinnamon Toast Crunch just tastes freaking awesome, right? So anyway, uh, but that's somebody I can get behind, right? Because they've, they had to do the same kind of struggle, right? Otherwise, it's just theory, right? Somebody who's a fitness guru uh, that's never been fat a day in their life, right? Um, just like, you know, I wouldn't follow somebody who's a religious leader, priest or minister or whatever, uh, for marriage advice who's never been married. Yes, they can regurgitate the dogma that the church puts forward, but they've never been there. Same thing with parenting and all that. You don't have kids? Talk to me. Okay? Same thing with an instructor, official martial art or self-defense, whatever, who's never. And if they've been in it, they're one step closer. But if they've never been in it and used what they're teaching me, you, right, against that person that was trying to beat, break, or kill them successfully, anyway, you can do what you want. Right. But one of the thing that, that one of the things that me and instructors that I've always trained with and many of my peers, whether we're close or not, have in common is this stuff that we're teaching people, classical or not. Right. Um, we've all used the mental stuff, the emotional stuff, the physical stuff. Right. We've used for success. We've used for relationship repair, building, all that kind of stuff uh, and the physical stuff. Okay. So, but anyway, right. So can program, right. They don't know any other way. So here's the official stylized thing. Can't change it. Right. Uh, you just have to understand it well enough. And, and you know, or uh, what if this guy's this kind of thing? Oh, you just have to be fast enough that that doesn't happen. Well, that already screams. You don't have this either. So I got both of these things going on. Right. And then the thing, um, here was a big thing, right. Letting student lead, right? What I mean by that, oh, I'll give you for instance, right? Um, a lot of you are probably uh, familiar with this idea that in today's world, uh, academia is kind of falling <laughs> falling apart, right? Um, the, the, the colleges keep bending and twisting to the high school age, young college age activists who don't want to learn certain topics because that's sensitive and touchy, right? Um, let's get rid of those things because they're offensive, right? I know you want me to learn from them, but eh, that triggers me, okay? Um, so they just keep twisting, right? Because they're, they're leading with this idea that the customer is always right, okay? And I get it. My martial arts school, when it comes down to it, right, to keep the doors open, uh, there's some business aspects to it, right? But if I don't keep the lights on and keep the rent paid and make sure that, you know, money's coming in and tuition's able to cover that kind of thing, uh, then we don't have a nice place for my students to train. And I can't guarantee that when they enroll, I'll still be here and teaching when it's time for them to get their black belt. A lot of us can relate to that. We hooked up with teachers that taught out of their backyard, out of their garage, out of their whatever, right? And... Next thing you know, they changed jobs, they changed, they went through a divorce, they, who knows, they got tired of teaching, whatever, and they went away, and then, like, there's nobody else around doing their thing, so I got a choice. Do something else or lament that uh, well, they did that, so now I, such a weird shit, right? One of my teachers told me a long time ago that uh, the customer is all right, except in a martial arts school. Because if they had their shit together, they wouldn't be here, right? But again, there's a whole bunch of responsibility going on from the teacher's side, right? The students do expect certain things, and they are right, especially when it comes to self-defense, right? If I'm not giving them what they know they need, right, 
and I can't frame things that are a little bit odd looking, right? In a context that that makes sense, right? Not blow smoke up their butt, just in sense, right? Logical sense, right? Um, and it doesn't match. What I am telling them with my words, my actions, without actually saying these specific words, is I don't have what you're looking for. So when somebody comes in for their first intro, I ask, what is it that you want to get out of the martial arts program? And then when I do that first intro class, I keep highlighting how what we're doing matches that or will allow them to do that thing better or have that characteristic or that personal trait better. It doesn't matter if it's self-defense or confidence or discipline or respect or whatever. I keep bringing that back because if I don't do that, what I'm telling them without using, I don't have what you're looking for. These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> move along, move along. And they will. Okay. So anyway, these were problems that I kept seeing, right? And they didn't mesh for me because my focus was real world self-defense. What I had that a lot of students don't have, a lot of students that are looking to train get taken in by these okay programs, right? That's politically correct as you're gonna get today, right? Um, they don't have any real world experience either. What they have is knowledge that crime exists and violent people are out there and the fear that it will touch them. And then they have the misunderstanding that because this guy is a self-defense instructor or has written a book or has a black belt in some martial art or whatever, they're all the same. So he or she can teach me. Right. And that'll, that'll fix it. Right. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. But these are some problems and some of the conflict that I was trying to get over as I was moving through that path, right? Um, even in this particular martial art, right? I watch. <laughs> every one time, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> every one time, <laughs> nothing like other things around here, like ego leading and stuff like that, right? <laughs> I was at a seminar, <laughs> tried to help this one thing with this other person was told, oh, man, you got to train with this guy. It's awesome, right? He's right under Hatsumi Sensei, blah, 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 whatever, right? <laughs> anyway, he's demonstrating the staff technique. He starts in a Fudo Zora Seiza, something like that, from the ground, right? <laughs> Sword attack comes in, right? Not only does he get tagged in the process of trying to avoid, but he hit himself with his own staff and then continues on like nothing ever happened, right? gets out of the way, goes through X, Y, Z steps and goes, and then doesn't show it again. Doesn't even, like, I've made mistakes, right? And I'll laugh it off and go, oh, shit, this were real? Today I would have died, right? Let's do that again, right? So, uh, but he didn't, right? He did it. He did this one demonstration, right? Made this, we'll call them tactical, tactical errors, right? Got tagged by the sword, hit himself with his own staff, finished step one, step two, step three, and then looked at everybody and went, we're going to practice that, okay? All right, go ahead. Right? <laughs> I was half tempted to sit down in Seiza and do the same thing. Let my partner tag me, hit myself with the staff, go through XYZ and go, was that right? right? <laughs> just, it still makes me laugh, and that was like 15, 20 years ago. Anyway, just the shit people try to get away with. Anyway, all right, so while I'm still standing, right, um, <laughs> I... Let, let's let me, let me just finish kind of round this out with this gift right i have been very very critical with who i train with right um and most of my students are very critical as well because they have real world experience right i've got cops i've got special forces guys and all that i have more guys telling me oh man the way you're covering it and it's not me ringing my bell i'm just letting you know i get these messages right um, I remember with this one email that I got from somebody who's in special ops and he said, you can't use this. You can't use it as a testimony or anything like that, but I need to let you know that man, you're, you're spot on. Keep the information coming, right? There's way too much crap out there. Right. But, but this, this is what keeps us guys alive. Right. So that's what drives me forward. And it doesn't allow me to get all tied up and worried 
when some wannabe or somebody who thinks they know, right, jumps on one of my YouTube videos and, you know, you know what I'm talking about and that technique wouldn't work and whatever, you know what? <laughs> okay, find somebody that's going to show you what you want because obviously you're right. You already know everything, which then begs the why the hell are you looking at self-defense videos on YouTube if you already know everything? unless you're just trying to self-validate and prove that you're right and everybody else is wrong, which already speaks volumes anyway uh, as, as a person. But anyway, so um, very, very critical because, you know, police work and bodyguard stuff and all that, the stuff I was learning had to work. It had to be, it had to be right, right? I don't, you don't get doers, right? So if it doesn't work, I die or the guy that's writing the paycheck dies. And we have a saying in the bodyguard world, right? Dead clients don't pay, right? So uh, there's that, right? But remember, from a very, very early age, I was like, what, four or five years old, my first recollection of my stepdad standing in a doorway after this argument with my mom, and again, she blamed the children to di distract him from targeting her, right? Blamed us children's fault. All right. I can fix that. Right. Goes to the kitchen, comes back and we're all huddled. There was just my, I don't even think my, my youngest brother was born yet. So it's my two sisters and me. And we're in this one bedroom. And my mom is barring the doorway, right? Pleading at this point, because he went to the kitchen, came back with a big ass butcher knife. They don't look as big now as they did when I was four or five. Right. But big butcher knife. And he goes, I can solve this. I'll chop them up and throw them in a, in, a, in a damn trash can, right? That'll fix the problem, right? Then you won't have the kids to blame, right? Terrifying, right? So I had these experiences that showed me what violence was, what I needed to be able to handle, right? All these things, right? When I became a cop, it just added to it because, oh, good, I got to see lots of other manipulators and violent people and different personality types and how they do their shit, right? And how many different ways can human beings torture, abuse, and, and harm their fellow human beings, right? So, right? So you're welcome. I went through the, the laboratory testing for you. So, but what that means is that I had something that most martial arts students don't have. I knew what had to be included, right? Or at least I thought thought okay also thought like teacher shows a technique oh, pretty cut and dry simple put my leg over here put my hand over here do this thing right and yeah, do that and boom, got it right okay biggest gift i've ever gotten from the teachers i choose to train with is they all use this word a lot no they were willing to tell me in no uncertain terms, that's not right. I know you think it looks the same as what I did, but that's not right. And there weren't, it's not not right because that's not the kata. That's not not right because you're not controlling them. That's not not right because your distance is off and that's not not right. <laughs> Lots of stories, right? But I remember I was at this one seminar and I thought I had my shit together, right? I'm doing this stuff, right? And whatever, right? Dealing with this punch and stuff. And this one teacher comes along and he goes, you know what I would do if I were him? No. He'd kick you right in the nuts. What? There's no kick in this technique, right? Well, I didn't say that out loud because I knew better, right? And I thought I knew better. But I was apparently so focused on the attacks in the kata that I forgot that this guy has free will. If he sees an opening and he can go for it, why would he not? Why would he stick to the kata? So what I learned was the kata works the way the kata works if you're controlling all the variables, right, and limiting his options and all that, so that what the kata says is going to come next is the only option he has, right? It's a bad habit breaker, right? But anyway, what came out of my mouth was, Thing he's not you, right? Guess what I fixed in that moment, right? Because he's willing to let me know, look, you need to punish for this, okay? Right? Of course, I've also not been the student that's like wagging my tail and 
being like the little puppy dog because, oh, is Sensei watching? Maybe I'll get a new belt today. It'll only cost me 300 bucks, 400 bucks. Okay. But, ooh, look what I got. Okay. Fucking hate getting ranked. Excuse my language. I hate getting ranked. Right. Anyway, so, but no. Okay. No, I, I had one teacher. This is way back. I was still like a green belt, which is mid level stuff for those of you guys that are working through my, my, um, uh, my curriculum somewhere between mod two and mod three. Right. So going into Kamai, right? There's nothing wrong with the Kamai. Right. Nothing wrong with it. So she walks up and he goes, why are you doing this? Because that's what you do in this come on. Eh. Why is your hand right there? Is it wrong? No. Why is it there? Because that's where it goes. Eh. If you don't know why it goes there, either find out or stop doing it. But it's not wrong. But if you don't know why it's there, you can't use it. You're just taking up a form. Why is it there? Why did they think this was so important that it goes here? Not here, not here, not over here, not in some kind of other place, right? Why did this school put it here? Why did another school put it? Oh, let me shift here. Why is another school put it here, right? Why is it there? Well, because that's their stuff. Right? It's not wrong, but if you don't know why, then you can't use it. If you don't know the logic behind it, see, there's a whole problem, right? But... Some of my students have gone to Japan with me. I go to this one dojo. I'll be working on something, and I know where the instructor is because he's fixing somebody else, right? And all of a sudden, I'll hear, no, Jeff, just don't go anywhere. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll be over there in a minute, right? And there's that sinking feeling and the lump in my throat. Oh, shit. Here we go, right? Um, and then he comes over, and for a half an hour, tears me a new butt and all that kind of stuff, right? But I wouldn't have it any other way. Cause I'm not there for belts. I'm not there for him to, I'm not spending thousands of dollars to go to Japan for two weeks, do all this training. So somebody can pat me on the shoulder and go, perfect. Awesome. Here's some more rank. Spending that because I know I need to learn more and I want to be told no on all the stuff I'm screwing up so I can come back home and spend the next couple of months before my next trip fixing it. Because these guys are already better than me. And I don't want to take a chance that I end up against somebody out on the street who either sees a hole. He doesn't know my system or know what I'm doing, but sees a hole and goes for it. But I didn't realize I was leaving an opening. Okay, All these years, all the time, effort, money, all that stuff, right, to get good, right, to find out that eh, you're deluded, man. There's a hole in your shit and somebody that has no training other than street cred kicked your ass or left you for dead. That would really suck. Okay? Of course, one of these teachers were also the ones that reminded me that, look, no, fix that, right? If you don't fix that, hope your wife looks good in black. So that's the kind of stuff, <laughs> stuff I got, right? Maybe it makes me a glutton for punishment, but see, this is another thing that makes students quit early because they go in and want to be taught. They want to be shown some things. And they think they can just pick it up just like that, right? All that technique looks cut and dry. I've got that. Do this, do this, do this. Yeah, I got it. Really? Do you see this thing over here? Yeah. Well, that's not what we want you looking at. That's what we want him looking at. Meanwhile, you're doing this thing over here. Can you see it? No. Right. So nothing in Ninja 2 is ever what it looks like. That means 70% or better of your instructor's demonstration is invisible to you. And whatever you think is going on is not what's going on. If what's going on is what you think is going on, that's Budo Tajitsu. That's the conventional stuff. Ninjutsu, he can't see the thing that's going to get it. Okay. All right. So um, let's move you in the world again. Hopefully you don't feel like there's an earthquake. Anyway, sorry. Me being, a, me being an ass. Anyway, all right. So uh, I don't know what time. Oh. Good. Here we are. Okay. So I'm going to have to round this out because uh, we have classes starting uh, soon here at the dojo. So again, hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully, you know, it kind of worked out for you. Um, I'm going to shift things here a little bit because for whatever reason, my chat function went away and 
I don't see anything from anybody at the moment anyway, but uh, you know, let me know, was this helpful? Let me know, uh, you know, if, let me know if you didn't think it was helpful at all, right? Normally people uh, vote that way by hopping on and then hopping off. But also understand too, that we're doing this midday um, based on the way my schedule works. I'm gonna try to spread this out. So Tuesdays, this is a Tuesday. So Tuesdays are just crap for me. I literally had to carve out time to do this. And I've, I've made a vow to myself that I would I would be doing these things more often than we did before and just get a ton of stuff out there for, for people. Um, but I understand the schedule doesn't always work, right? I mean, what works for some folks time-wise based on time zone changes and other places in the world, not going to work at all, which is why they're hoarded, right? And for other people, it's going to be just the opposite. For some people, a small percentage, no time is going to work out well because of job and time zone and all that kind of stuff. Um, sorry. <laughs> kind of reminds me of somebody that contacted me once and told me that they expected me to be on 24-7. I said, one, I'm not Amazon. And two, do you work for your employer 24-7? Okay. Not that you're my employer, but um, well, I'm the student and you should be available all the time. Uh, you need to go to a dojo that has a Freaking drive up window and they're 24 seven and that's what you need to do. Um, so anyway, um, I'm just trying to bring up something here. I apologize. So, but anyway, uh, if you have any questions, comments or whatever, just like we've done in the past, whatever platform you're on, because uh, we are simultaneously doing this on Facebook Live, YouTube Live and uh, Periscope, which is a Twitter thing, right? Twitter Periscope. So, uh, you know, post a comment, uh, same promise I made yesterday. Uh, I read them all. I don't always have the time to answer everything because I'm not just doing this, right? This is the, the kind of freebie thing I do. I still have uh, a boatload of, you know, inner circle private students. I have a dojo to run full time. Uh, I do consulting for workplace violence uh, for corporations and all that. So, um, and I, I do like to spend some time with my wife and family. So uh, it's not it's not always easy. And the amount of spam and crap I get. It's just amazing, right? So filter through that stuff, and uh, everybody would be happy to know that um, James Alexander should be coming back on board as my uh, as my admin assistant. Life pulled him away a little bit, and so he should be coming back, which is cool. That's going to take a little bit extra off my plate. Uh, so James, uh, welcome back. Unless I just misspoke, in which case you get called and say, "What the hell are you talking?" Anyway, no. So um, that'll be cool. Uh, and again, here within the next couple of days, I'm going to be re-releasing the foundations of. Uh, ninja self-defense uh, program, right? But we've got a whole bunch more stuff added to it, not techniques, right? The techniques that are in this program give you a couple of options for all of the most common attacks that I can prove based on crime statistics and all that, you are most likely to handle, right? And so you need up front, right? You don't need more techniques, right? But there'll be some extra things in there uh, some uh, resource uh, kind of things like worksheets to be able to keep track of things, uh, some other study areas like stay out of jail if you have to use your stuff, some other things like that, right? Uh, I'm throwing in like the self-defense library that I'm writing, myth book, and then there's a companion called Controlling the Fight and three other special reports that come with that that all, they don't teach you more techniques to do. They teach you how to control the training process so that you're going in the right direction and you're able to do what you need to be able to do, right? So, and the other thing I'm doing is I'm actually going to just do this, uh, not really a pricing kind of thing, but uh, I'm going to I'm gonna cut it down for just a little bit to see uh, what I really want to see is, you know, here's what I normally charge for things. Uh, and so I'm going to try this just to see what, if I get any more takers, um, but more so is, is the quality of the student that I get different. Now, the core program is a do-it-yourself program. Let's not, you know, you're getting coaching and all that. There is an, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, an extra goes with that. Like once you enroll, um, I'll say, you know, do you want some help? Do you want some coaching and all that? Just, you know, that extra for that. Um, if you do, great. If you don't, that's okay too. You know, you're, your situation, right? But either way, right? So I'll let everybody know when um, when that happens, right? So anyway, the whole idea, remember, if 
self-defense is your thing, then just know that that's what you're going to be getting from me uh, a lot, right? Now, I focus on the personal development side as well, because um, I believe that success is, is uber important. And uh, I believe that this art is there to, to do two things. One, give you these time-tested skills, right, that have been around for centuries, right, that are just proven to allow you to be successful, right, to create the life you always wanted to be living, right, at the same time providing you with these skills, also time-tested, right? Remember, people lived and died based on what they tried on a battlefield or in a back alley or whatever back in a time when there was way, way fewer laws, right? And it was okay, right? Somebody slighted you, you could behead them, right? So um, the stuff that we're teaching has worked again and again and again and again. Somebody tried something in a back alley or on a battlefield that didn't work, I don't know about it because it died with them, right? And then the other thing is it's this is also run through my filter, right? When I was a police officer, bodyguard, and all that stuff, and I have used these techniques on people that were bigger, stronger, tougher, whatever, right? Uh, I'm still here to talk about it. So anyway, uh, so uh, I should be doing this again tomorrow, uh, with the exception of maybe Friday. Uh, I'm looking at doing most of them, but again, what I'm trying to guarantee is I'm going to do it at least three times a week, but I am going to be trying to do it every working day of the week. I can't guarantee weekends because I try to reserve that for, for family. But anyway, uh, again, let me know. Uh, Rocco says very informative discussion. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, you know, this, this sinks in, right? And again, you know, if I'm not your guy uh, and if this isn't making sense or whatever, by all means, I'm not going to be offended if you go find somebody else that speaks the language you want to hear. I'm not, I'm not going to be offended. Okay. Um, remember what I told you yesterday, right? More often than not, the way I present things and, and, and what I'm doing uh, is, is not used car salesman trying to convince you to do it my way. It's more often than not there to help will disqualify themselves to know that I'm not your guy. So I'm okay with that. If not, then I'm bullshitting you and so that's not me. All right. So anyway, all right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I will talk to everybody again next time. All right. Until then. Oh, here I am pushing buttons again, being the techie. All right. Until then. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, the things we care about from the monsters we world. How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast, my name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in the real world. Get more of Kuden Radio, subscribe to your podcasting site, or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.